0: Welcome to Noble Warrior. My name is CK Lin. Noble Warrior is where I interview multidimensional entrepreneurs about their spiritual disciplines. We'll deconstruct their mindset, mental models, actionable tactics, so you can take them and engineer your life, your business with more impact and fulfillment. If you have any entrepreneur friends who could use more inspiration and more permission to be who they are, go ahead and share this episode with them. They'll thank you for it. My next guest is Susan Harrell. She's a renowned media coach at PRSecrets.com. She's the author of the best-selling book, Sell Yourself Without Selling Your Soul. She's media-trained thousands of CEOs, celebrities, chefs, startups, speakers for Oprah, CBS's 60 Minutes, The Today Show, Good Morning America, etc. We talked about how she coached introvert CEOs who resist going on shows, how she coaches her clients to remain calm and composed during even the toughest questions on TV. The three questions that she asks herself whenever she isn't sure whether she should speak her mind. Her methodology to fine tune her client's target audience and messaging. How to connect with the audience, whether they're on Zoom or live in the studio how to adjust your talk on the fly to meet what the audience needs. We talked about her spiritual practices right before she got on any shows. Please enjoy my conversation with renowned media coach, Susan Harrell. Welcome, Susan Harrell. Great to meet you all. Thank you so much for being here, Susan.
1: It's my pleasure. I'm so thrilled.
0: I want to jump right into it. In your bio, you had to share about the time that you almost got—I knew you were going to—sold into slavery. Uh, I mean, I can't. Like, that's just such an opener. Please yeah. share with us how you went from that experience to Aikido black belt to where you are. So, just paint us a little bit of a, a hero's journey there.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I think that whenever we have these kind of, whenever we travel, we have these amazing experiences, right, that sort of take us out and mark us for the future. That's what's so beautiful about travel and talking about those kinds of things. So, you know, that was an experience where I don't know if you wanted me to actually go into it to say what happened, or should I just like go, I think maybe go right into
0: Aikido? um whatever you like whatever you like
1: i think i'd like to jump into aikido because to me that was um that was a really transformative experience right here in you know in california and i started aikido i didn't even know about it but it was a it was i know you talk a lot about synchronicity so there was a series of synchronicity events where a woman was mentioning a particular leadership practice. And that was just like lit up for me with a, a mentor. And what I did was um, immediately, we were we were sort of on a little mini yoga retreat at a friend's house. And as soon as I got home, I looked up that person. It was um, Richard Stosey Heckler, who has um, a leadership practice, which is all physically based. There's no PowerPoint, it's all movement. And it's based in Aikido. And I jumped on a call, group call with him, and really felt like um, I connected with wanting to be trained in more body-based leadership. I didn't know it was about Aikido. And so um, I listened to that. And then I I asked to interview him for the Huffington Post, but I had never written for the Huffington Post. And I just said, I want to write a piece on you at the Huffington Post, figure it, think, I'll figure it out later, not knowing how hard it was. At that time, they weren't having general people just write, you had to go through a whole process and, and write. And I said, you know, I'm going to write an article, how many posts can I interview you? So I
0: interviewed him. I love that. That's like chutzpah. Like just, yeah. I'm going to go for it.
1: Right, exactly. I thought I'll figure it out later. that's kind of that's part of my future selfing too it's like when i was teaching at like the learning annex or teaching i set the class and then figured out how to teach it later so it's like this what i'm going to teach and then i and then i would um
0: you're you're a, a true entrepreneur i love it
1: yeah so um he invited me up to his dojo and said well why don't i show you some of these practices and then i went there and and i I had never asked anybody to be my mentor before. And I didn't even know what that meant. And I said, "You know, I want you to be my mentor? I don't know what that means. Can we work something out? And we actually decided to do a trade. Um, Then there was, they were having the very first Ethiopian um, guy getting his black belt to take it back to like teach gangs and stuff in Ethiopia, Aikido. And I saw him do his black belt test and it was so beautiful and so moving. I mean, I was just—I was like—I was transported to another state. And you know, with mm-hmm. a wooden knife and just the flowing. And it was—and he was so beautiful. I mean, you could just see he was like this beautiful person inside and out, very tall and regal, like he was all you no, know, like he was a noble warrior, right? Oh, and, and so I decided on the spot that um, I wanted to do train in Aikido. But little mm-hmm. did I know how arduous it would be. I'm an athlete, I've played tennis, you know, I was on the boys tennis team and teaching tennis pro, you know, captain of my volleyball team, number one on my badminton team, always considered myself an athlete. And then I get on the Aikido floor and I'm a dork, complete <laughs> dork, stepping on people's toes, not knowing what to do. And it, I was so uncoordinated Mm. nobody really wanted to train with me. There's a protocol in Aikido where you usually you're on your knees and then you when the the teacher shows demonstrates the technique and then you bow to the person next to you and then you start to train. Well, people because I was so klutzy and people are usually really nice in a dojo, but I was so klutzy that people would get up and run to go (laughs) train with someone else else
0: with no uncertain terms no like it it wasn't even subtle it's just like uh, nope i don't
1: know it was (laughs) not subtle and i was completely mortified i mean i was thinking every night that i wanted to train i was thinking i would go through this thing like i'm going to be rejected you know it was like all of those things like i don't get it i'm going to be rejected but I was so fascinated by it. It was like a, the biggest love-hate relationship. Mm. Uh, every night after class in the car, I would go to my car and cry, mm. the, never cry. The, I've never cried on the dojo floor. Even mm. when I was training for my black belt test and I was working with a um, fifth degree or a sixth degree black belt, and he actually clocked me with a, mm. with a, with a um, Joe. I mean, I was almost knocked out. And I'm like, I'm not crying. I'm going to put ice on my head, you know. Um, so never cry on the dojo floor. But mm-hmm. I certainly cried every, pretty much every night because it was so difficult and it brought joy.
0: Mm. What kept you going, though, in spite of all that? Physical pain or even emotional pain—you know, yeah. this whole internal resistance of inadequacy, like beating yourself yeah. up, and all of that stuff. Like, what kept you going?
1: Yeah, and some people just do it, you know. But it was with me; it was more like, you know, there's the self-analysis and the and the the difficulty in being so clumsy and thinking, you know, just being on the dojo floor and in Aikido. There's no way you can hide. And while my practice in media training is all about not hiding, like showing yourself, there we can, we still have methodologies to hide, but on the Aikido floor, there is nowhere to hide. Um, so I think that that all of my issues came up too. So you asked me what kept going. It was the most fascinating practice. And the philosophy of Aikido is um turn your lead into gold. And that's what I wanted to do. I mean, I could see all my lead,
2: Mm.
1: you know, and I thought I have a lot of lead here that can be transformed on the Aikido floor into gold. Um, And so it's every it's, I mean, everything comes up where, for example, if somebody grabs you too hard, and, um, you know, how to let them know without being bossy, or, you know, somebody who's you have to protect yourself, you have to protect others. Like it's, it's sort of everything. And, you know, even when like you'd have beginners, when I became a black belt, I would have beginners telling me what to do. And you go, okay, um, I can handle this a number of ways. I can, you never want to shame anyone, but it's like, you also want to share protocols and how we train. But my philosophy also is like, does this have anything to teach me? Are they right? Do I, uh, is this something that can help me? Um, or is it, is it a time when I need to share a lesson and say, actually, on the dojo floor, you don't give instruction to another student unless it's asked for? You know? Yeah,
0: what you're, what you're sharing here, I want to underline this real quick. So in, uh, in the Chinese culture, there's a lesson that's passed down. Basically, it's a means on the inside, it's rectangular a you know who you are but on the outside circular as a way to play nice right to to do to be cordial with everyone else so he mm-hmm. said what you're talking about here is actually navigating that space of being grace as at the same time knowing who you are and delivering who you are to others
1: delivering the message like there was one kid he was very tall he grew really fast he was um very add and at one point he wasn't paying attention so i hit him Not hard, but I thought that was more effective than saying, if you don't pay attention, I'm going to throw you and you could get hurt. So I just, just hit him really lightly because that was the kindest thing to do in the moment Mm. to bring him here, you know, and for the rest of the lesson, um, he was there and paying attention because it was dangerous to him if he didn't.
0: Mm. I like that. What's the kindest thing in the moment?
1: I think that goes for everything, particularly like as for all of us, what's the kindest way that we can handle this situation. I was just reading, um, rereading some of my notes with, um, I think it was Ilana Van Zant who said, um, do I need to say this? Do I need to say this now? Am I the right person to say it? And I thought those were really interesting questions in terms of verbal, especially for women in verbal self-defense too. Like um, who is on the receiving, we always have to think about who is on the receiving end of it and what is the consequence and the conclusion? What What do we actually want to achieve through that communication? And on the Aikido floor, it's um, when you're throwing someone, you want to have that spot in mind of where you're throwing them. You have to be very intentional about it, because you also have to protect them, you can't throw them, everybody's throwing at the same time, so it, we could throw, it's dangerous, so you can throw somebody into another person, so you always have to be aware, not only of what you're doing, but of the other person, Mm. and the kindest way to throw them, um, to not hurt them, I mean, that's the philosophy of Aikido as well, it's um, to do the least harm to your opponent, even if someone is attacking you.
0: Mm. If you don't mind going to that, I mean, there's a lot of life lessons just right there where you just share,
2: yeah. right?
0: What is the kindest thing, and then being environmentally aware, and at the same time, not to purposefully, you know, have the maximum damage to <laughs> your opponent, which is very different than, let's say, the MMA war, right? The whole point That's of the MMA is you want to destroy the other person versus Aikido is about the practice. So I'm okay. curious to know this is more life philosophy, I'm just more inquiry. One person's point of view is more about like the social justice warrior, right? Let me, you know, if it's not me who will say this, this person will never learn the lesson. Let me just exert myself versus what you share is, what is the kindest way, you know, the such that this person received the message. And if it, this person doesn't necessarily receive the message, then perhaps you don't say it per se, right? So I'm curious to know how you navigate that space, especially this is, you know, the, the verbal, the words, this is your craft. So I'm curious to know as a warrior, noble warrior with words, where, where do you stand on that? Do you just, boom, let me <laughs> deliver justice <laughs> because if, if it's not me, then who, uh, or what's the kindest way that I deliver this?
1: Yeah, I wish I could say that I was always doing it the kindest way. Um, here's the thing. It's not my business whether somebody gets it or not. That That's number one. And I think in media training, the number one thing is, you know, not to take things personally, but also um, there's only one person that we can control and that's ourselves. And that's a really big job. And it's an ongoing process throughout our lifetime right so you're never trying to control another person and um it's the same in aikido but in in like media training when you're when you're on tv or a podcast like this i'm not trying to direct you and what you ask me you can ask me anything and i'm going to answer what i want um however i go you gave you you are gracious and gave me the liberty not everybody will and certainly at the higher levels of tv you know um reporters and hosts can be very pointed, but the whole training of media training and Aikido, whatever that is, is to um, to master yourself. Mm-hmm. And to you say only what you came to say to the audience in the way that you believe that how you want to serve. So I think the intentionality is first, what's my deepest intention? How do I want to serve? And mm-hmm. then words come from that. And in in my media training practice, I ask that question first. What's your deepest intention? How do you want to serve? What's your big vision? And then number two, what do you want for yourself personally, professionally, physically, financially, spiritually, emotionally? Um, And then the last question, and, and what I'm asking you there, because media can give you the whole world. It can give you connections to people. It can give you financial success. It can give you, you know, emotional happiness, whatever it is that you're looking for. But we want to be very clear about that. And then the third thing is, what do you want your audience to do? Like, what is the purpose of your, it's not to be famous. It's to grow your business or to, Um, expand your horizons or, you know, whatever, if you're on a book tour, or you've got a new technology that you want to get into the world to help people, whatever that is, but like, what then do you want them to do? Are they visiting your brick and mortar store? Are they coming to your website and buying a program or a course? Or are you getting more speaking engagements, whatever that is, we're very intentional about it. And then you to let that go, And to only be in this is Aikido media training, you know, in a a podcast interview or whatever, to just let go of all of that, and to prepare and plan and practice so you can be free to be spontaneous. And those are the kinds of things that Um, and that's why we do role play. You know, we actually do the actual situations because you don't know how you're going to respond. Like I can go through mentally all the time, what I want to do on the mat and I watch videos and then you're actually on the mat and you've got somebody else's body up against yours. And it's a whole different, it's a whole different thing. And the media is the same. It's like you can practice. And then the hot lights of the TV, or, you know, we're doing a countdown. Are you ready? Boom, the camera's on. There's people out there and, you know how do you respond now when you're asking me questions, maybe that I wasn't prepared for?
0: Yeah, Uh, let me me do a quick recap. Okay, so what you said, your framework in terms of working with people who are thinking about even media at all is what's your intention, right? How how are you serving the audience, number one, Mm -hmm. and then what is the intended outcome that you want in a financially, relationally, reputationally, and all these things for for you, and then, uh, and, what was the third? I can't remember.
1: What do you want your audience to do? How are you That's going? Right, to- That's right. That's
0: right. The call and to action. What is what is the call to action? And then yeah. have all that, you know, uh, intentionality in your head. Train, 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 such that you can, on the floor with with lights on, uh, throw away the plan and just be in flow. Is that a rough? Is that accurate reflection of what you said?
1: Yes. And I do want to say, yes, you can be in the flow, but if you haven't done the practice, if you haven't done the, the 10,000 repetitions, um, what happens in our brain, and I know you're a scientist, is that when we get nervous and cortisol kicks in, it blocks our short-term memory. That's why you want it ingrained in mental and muscle memory. So whether you're on the Aikido floor doing physical repetitions, or you're in a role play situation where you've gone through where I have shouted at you or put you on the spot or asked you crazy questions that you, you know, that you that we go through the worst case scenarios so you can be relaxed.
2: Mm.
1: And those can be personal questions, those can be professional questions, just anything to throw you off. And can you come back to center? And like you and I just did some breathing. So Everything is about the breath and not everything, but I mean, the breath is when we get thrown off center to take the breath to ground, to settle, to come back to center at all, at all times, you know? So it's not that we won't get thrown off no matter how skilled we are. And the founder of Aikido said this, it's not that I don't get thrown off center. It's just, I get back to center so fast. You don't see me. Mm it and that's the eventual goal right like sometimes you know when you see people on tv and you they're frozen or they've been shocked right and that's fine like if that happens like if all of a sudden you know you're like stunned you're like what <laughs> you can, right you can still you have your moment of shock you take a breath you go to you get back to center and you say what you came here to say
0: yeah mm-hmm. actually i'm curious after working with thousands of people be on tv on the spotlight you know i in my mind personally for me it's not i i don't even want to go there it's just it's not not every day like you're huh? on a
2: podcast every you are there
1: you're on a podcast <laughs> you're there you're there
0: i know i know so <laughs> yeah we're we gonna come back to that in a moment but but yeah, what very- i wanted to ask you is is this what is the worst I guess that the most intrusive questions or the most shocking thing that, you know, some reporter or some journalist would just say, and then what's the, you know, what, how did your, um, client respond?
1: Yeah. I love that question because there've been so many, um, questions. I did have a a client on Fox news at one point where it was a very, I can't tell you what the situation was, but it was a, it was a very, um, Controversial situation where some people had died, and for her, I had media training. He was very skilled, and 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 we had worked for a couple of years, and um, there was no warm up. She was just like, "You were this person's mentor at one point. He's responsible for these people dying. How do you feel about that?" Right, and so we had rehearsed. A whole number of points about how one is responsible for oneself, and you know. So we had rehearsed those, so he was able to stay even with that. And she asked it really aggressively too. Mm,
0: mm. So the tone so, was the tone, tone. Was
1: very aggressive. It yeah. jumped right in. You know, usually a host is going to warm you up at least with the first question. You know, typically even an uncontroversial, they may not be as uh, sharp. Mm-hmm. But, and everybody's different, but we had already role-played all of that, all of that worst case scenario. So we had done all the worst case scenarios for that particular situation, because there was also legal implications. We needed to do things in a certain way. So we had run all of that um, by. Now, other situations, when you asked me, um, what do I do? For each person, it's very individual because they have their own individual stuck points and personality triggers. And that's what we want to locate. Like what trips you up? What throws you off? What kind of questions are mm-hmm. hard for you? So with each person, it's um, it's um, it's different. you yeah. know, And so it could be something really personal. And typically, um, men hosts will be more aggressive and pointed and maybe like a Bill O'Reilly, I you know it trained people to be on Bill O'Reilly in 60 minutes. So those yeah. are more um, pointed and energetically, very cutting and direct. Mm. Um, women, oftentimes, the question will be more uh, invasive uh, or.
0: What does that mean? Uh,
1: invasive, it means more intrusive or personal. So I might say to you, so a question that I might say to you that would be completely inappropriate, you know, like CK, um, how's your sex life this week? How many people have you slept with?
0: Oh, like Howard Stern type questions?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I had a client on Howard Stern who asked, I think he was asking her, what's your bra size? Yeah. Talking about, so this is about transitioning, you know? So we we talked about like, what's your bra size? And I'm so happy you asked about that because I
2: see. the
1: biggest questions that a woman has in breast cancer is, How's my bra going to fit? And she was talking about like death and breast cancer. So just transitioned right into it. It's like, yeah, that's a big concern for me and other women. And, you know, so again, this is an Aikido technique. You're not resisting it. You're not going like, I'm not going to tell you about my bra size. It's like, how can you go with it and transition to what you want to say that's important to the audience?
0: I, I so appreciate that. So as you're speaking, the parallel processing in my mind, the image in my mind, is. It's, it's really like a dojo training because you just the whole idea is you train train train, but then during sparring and actual fights, then you're able to basically take anything and do yes and. It's not like yeah. no, I'm gonna totally block you because then you absorb everything. Rather it's yes and then you use Aikido techniques to you know, use the momentum and redirect it elsewhere. because to me, that's grace in display, grace in motion. If I say, no, I don't want to answer that, that's okay. But you kind of, you know, the interview energy, which is you don't look as graceful. (laughs) And that
1: was another thing. I was so not graceful on the Aikido floor. I'm still not.
0: I don't know. I mean, you're pretty graceful to me.
1: You're very sweet. I appreciate that. I'm going to take that compliment in. That's another thing that um, is very hard for many of us is to receive receive that compliment. And if you don't take that in and create that energetic circle, you're stopping all that good energy. Because I I know you know this from science, I think it's 10, we have to hear 10 great things to counteract one negative one. And usually, we let the negative one stab in our heart and stay. And we always remember it. But the compliment, like I'm going to remember this compliment. CK said, I was graceful, you know, and see if I can expand that like well where else cuz there are other places in life where i am graceful i am a graceful tennis player you know um you know i am a graceful walker i you know what i am i am graceful watering my plants around the house <laughs> so i want to like reinforce that that goodness that you've just said too so i would take what you say and and see if i can multiply it and that's how we um that's how we train ourselves and train our minds too, right? Like to to really be aware of what's happening. And even me saying that I'm not graceful, um, yeah. puts that out there, right? Totally. I'm not perfect. I do I do it all the time myself. And it's about recalibrating, like we just did together.
0: So perfect example. I'm sure your clients, especially if they're new to the whole idea of being in front of camera, you know, my I actually include myself totally in that realm still. I'm not comfortable speaking in camera, even though I do it a lot. And I'm more comfortable now than, let's say, a few years ago. Yeah. Um, the question I have for you is people, t- especially high performers, right? The, the, the overachievers, they tend to be very, very critical of themselves. So how do you coach them such that they can pay attention to what they're doing right versus like, oh, my God, I don't sound like susan or ck or whoever they admire on media and say right yeah, look at that person that that person yeah. is so good i'm so not that and therefore i hate my voice i hate the way i look i have this weird twitch or whatever like how exactly. do you make sure how do you how do you you know gently guide them towards positive reinforcement rather than like oh my god this is not for me i don't want to do this ever. yeah
1: okay so i have this i had this client um very high performer. And um she had never, she she had given like one talk at her uh, clinic. And we were, I was preparing her for 1440. And, you know, we were talking and we were working in her, this was before COVID, working in her living room, I was showing her um how to use her body, how to use the stage, how to interact with the audience. I mean, because she'd really never done this before. And this was after we had, Crafted the talk into 20 20 minutes, right? And she said to me when we were in her kitchen, Oh my God, do you think I'm ever going to be any good at this? And I'm like, This is your talk number two. And I said, And this is, I mean, she was phenomenal. Of course, she was so gracious and, and gorgeous and fluent. And when she gave her talk at 1440, she said, Oh my God, I could see that I was like the only one who was media trained there and you know and she was it perfect no of course not but would you know because she doesn't have the experience yet of even like knowing but she was really energetically connected to the audience like you could see where they were connected with her where they laughed where she said things that were connected and so when we watched that i'm i said here's what you did it's about pointing out here's what you did right and here's where you connected with the audience and to start becoming aware of your own skills. <clears throat> so we always look at what did you do right first? So this is after I let people criticize themselves <laughs> because they have to. They're like, this way that, you know, so usually- oh, So you don't
0: stop them. You just let I them go. Them.
1: I let okay. them. You have to get it out. It's like, and sometimes that comes first. It's like, I need to say it like all the horrible things that I did. I'm like, God, yeah, fine, get it out. Let's talk about it, you know, get it all out. And then I'm like, okay, now can you, if that has to come first, what did you do well? And what do you want to keep? And then all those things that they said that they wanted to change that they didn't like about themselves. Those are the things that we work on. And it's an iterative process. Um, And it's an, it's a process that you can do, obviously in front of your webcam, if you're doing broadcast or podcast, But everything is video now, right? So turn on your webcam people yeah and start to see what happens like I'm a slow blinker I, I can't do anything about that that's do I like it
0: wait hey, wait wait, hold on
1: I'm a slow blinker blink
0: <laughs> that's <laughs> a thing that's the thing you criticize yourself about what
1: well it's like why am I blinking so slow you know but like, that's the way I blink so I'm not going to worry about that I can't change that
2: okay okay
1: you you know what I'm saying? What I can't I have to focus on what I can change my yeah. pattern, unless you're rapidly blinking, like when you're nervous, like I have some clients who would frown or blink really fast. Yes, we're going to work on those things, because what you do under pressure, we want to see what happens under pressure, because um, oftentimes people are completely different when they're under pressure. And that's what we want to see. What's your default? What happens under pressure? Like you were talking about twitches or (laughs) weirdo things that people do. They might smack or frown or whatever it is that they do. We want to see it and say, oh, this is what happens. This doesn't happen when you're relaxed, but this is what's happening when you're under pressure. Let's be aware of it. And then just that iterative process. So if we're like we are now, I'll say, um, i'll just say frown so you start to become aware of it like frown and then and then i'll also do the same when you're doing something well you know and you i'll say you know you just smiled appropriately i feel really warm i feel connected that's you know let's keep you smiling during that part of what you're talking
0: about yeah so i have a question okay let's let's use the younger ck as an example okay Mm -hmm. i remember the days when I was fresh in Toastmasters,
2: uh-huh. not even media, just general,
0: yeah. just general people, right? Just, just totally nervous. And people would say, hey, you're not smiling. You you look like a robot. So I would go like this. <laughs> because I just couldn't connect. Like, like So I knew it mechanically how to do it. Right. But subconsciously, I just didn't relate to that. So how do you help them? yeah in addition to the mechanics
1: I mean, in the body because right now you're a really natural smiler, right like you smile naturally so we want to say what makes you smile
2: mm-hmm. you know
1: petting a dog like I love dogs I love animals it makes me super smile so what can you get? I was working with the CEO of a um national um magazine and he was a little wooden he was very accomplished a triathlete and you know super accomplished. Um, in many areas and he was kind of wooden and I was there with his marketing person and he, in conversation before we were actually turning on the camera, he had been talking about his daughter and I think it was the youngest daughter, but one of his daughters like really, you know, he really um, was talking about her. And so I said-
0: His favorite, um, yeah, his favorite, I got it. His
1: favorite, I didn't want to say that, but his
0: favorite daughter.
1: It was his favorite daughter And I said, um, think about your daughter and what you just were, you know, the latest thing that you just did with her that you were so happy about. And then we turned on the camera. Mm. So he was in that natural state. And then the other thing is that you want your face, everything that you do say are and think to be in alignment from your words, to your website, to your facial expression, to your body language. So if I'm talking about something happy, I love petting dogs. I naturally smile, you smile too, because you were mm-hmm. you felt it from me, mm-hmm. that's what happens. If I'm talking about um, the mob that stormed the Capitol, I'm not going to be smiling because that's congruent with the information. So I think that if you're crafting a talk, you have places in it where you know that make you happy and that smi- you smile so you can connect with the audience. So it's about connecting with yourself first, And then saying those things that you connect with the audience. So if you're seeing people in the audience smiling about you, you're also, you're connecting together with that experience. And science-wise, when we tell stories and we we sync up, our brains sync together. So when we start to tell stories, you and I are already getting, we're already synced. That happens. So to already know that you're synced with people I think is really helpful you're not separate you're not synced and I remember one of my clients was Lee Glickstein who created speaking circles I don't know if you ever did a speaking circle oh well it's it's a speaking circle is where you don't prepare anything you stand up and you speak
2: Mm.
1: it's terrifying for most people right because I'm not going to prepare anything but you speak from your heart but you also speak from spontaneity about anything in that moment. So it's enormously helpful for people to be, and and the, the people who are on the receiving end of it, you don't give any kind of approval or response. You just give that person complete acceptance. That's something that is so rare for us. So sometimes people just cry, mm. just feeling that. And you also have the opportunity not to say anything. And I've done this with groups like stand for one minute. If you don't want to say anything, just stand. So uncomfortable. I'm like you're just going to receive the audience's acceptance.
2: Mm.
1: One minute is a very long time to receive acceptance. Oh, That's so right. the thing that That's I wanted right. to say that Lee Glickstein had told me too. He had offered me, you know, to go to some of his seminars. And I'm I'm actually an introvert. <laughs> I don't like groups. You are. Yes, I okay. am.
0: Great. We have more in common. Fantastic. You're an introvert? Oh, big time. I had no idea. Oh, my God. You don't even know. So here we are
1: two introverts who are trained extroverts. We're trained on this, right? So it's not comfortable. I'm so nervous before, you know, before. I mean, I had to run to the bathroom, you know, right before. I always get really super nervous before any of these. Have I been doing this for like more than 20 years, yes, we still get nervous, yes. And to use that energy. But one, what I wanted to say about Luke Glickstein to get back to that is I wasn't gonna take that seminar. It was like a three or four day seminar. And I thought I'm terrified. And and then I thought my client is offering me his free training free um, in something that I'm really fascinated with. I, it would be um, not only ungracious, but again, it's stopping that energy of being gifted and given that I really had, I don't even want to use the word obligation, but I had, it was necessary for myself to accept that, to keep that, if, if that's what I say I want and it comes to me and I say stop, then I'm not going to keep getting what I want, right? So I accepted. But one of the things that he said to me, even though I was so terrified, is that you if you're terrified of speaking in front of an audience, you're thinking of yourself as separate, Mm. yeah yeah uh uh-huh how how many of us can think of it like we're taught like oh we're we're all one and all of that but in practice it's not that easy no that's a practice too to Mm -hmm. say and my one of my mentors asara lovejoy yesterday in our group call was saying um there's only one thing that she didn't say there was only one thing to be concerned with, but I think that this is—if the, there is one thing, this is something that I practice every day, and it is um, loving myself, loving others. Not easy at all, and I don't don't pretend that this is an easy task. I love
0: loving myself and loving others. In loving others Got and me. loving others. And so loving others. No,
1: um, um, what's his name? Charles Schultz said, um, "I love humanity. It's people I can't stand." In the Peanuts commercial because we are people we are all difficult right so we were practicing yesterday in our group I'm so glad
0: you said that by the way what's that I'm so glad you you quoted uh peanuts quote yeah the peanuts thing uh and just a quick don't want to digress you too much but um I'm an INTJ by Myers-Briggs so my friend always remind me like hey you INTJ people you love humanity but you really don't like individual humans <laughs> I'm like, yeah, there's some truth to that. There's some truth to that.
2: There's some no truth. It's not we
1: we as people are not easy to love. I mean that is just a fact. You know, I mean especially if you know what's going on politically um, right now, how not to hate wh- whoever is on the opposite of what what we believe, right? That is a we ha- we can all practice on that every single day, right? So um, what she was saying uh, is that. Um, I forgot the exact phrase, but it was like, um, can I only have love in my heart? Mm. If we come from that place, um, it circumvents what does someone think of me? Because we're loving someone else first. And again, that is a practice because somebody, you know, bumps my cart in the grocery line or tries to butt in front of me. I'm, I'm pissed first reaction, I might be pissed, like, who do you think you are? Blah, blah, blah. And then can I have a polite response? Oh, excuse me, you know, oh, excuse me, I'm not sure that you saw me online. Oh, I saw you, I thought I was, first. you know, whatever that exchange might be, right? That comes in the first reaction might be, who do you think you are? You know, right. And to just notice that about yourself. So that's, that's a practice that I do every day. Okay, that might be my first response. And then I sit, settle down and say, okay, what can be, take a breath. What's my second choice response? Can I respond to this in a different way Um, that's loving or more loving, like if you can't quite get to loving. Yeah. It could be a little more loving. Yeah.
0: I mean, what you share is so true. Um, However, I'm curious to know how you introduce these type of practices to your clients because they came to you for media training. That's what they want, right? Yeah. And ultimately, ultimately, in my mind, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you. How do you make sure that you step into a receptive, accepting audience first? Cultivating your self love, so therefore you're not separate from your audience.
1: Yeah, it's like a daily practice. Is it how not- do you
0: right? How do you teach them? Okay, so that, here- what they need. Not okay, here- uh, yeah. stuff, You know what I mean.
1: Yeah. So this wasn't a client of mine, but this was a call for um, a potential client that just happened the other day. She's a Black woman in business in an all white world. And she said, um, She said, I, um," she was very natural with me and her voice and everything. And I'm like, Well, I'm not hearing what you're saying about being uncomfortable. And she said, Oh, it's in front of like when I'm in an, an audience and all, i'm in front of the white gaze it's an all white gaze and i'm a black woman and i get flustered and i'm like okay i can totally under i can i can totally understand that i totally empathize that and you're thinking about what are people thinking of you so that's the first thing that we need to reverse is not be thinking about what somebody else is thinking of you but rather What did I come here to give and stay focused on that? And again, CK, this is a process like, because, you know but you need to stand in front of those hundred white people maybe 10 at first or other people first to get the what does it feel like to have a hundred white gazes on me as a black woman and still be able to say what I came here to say. It's not something that necessarily is going to flip overnight, but it is a practice. How many times can I And it is a moment by moment practice. There you are talking. Oh, I'm self-conscious. I just had this experience yesterday. I'm gonna finish with her and then I'll tell you about my experience. But So if you're thinking, if you go in there and you say, I have these points that I wanna cover that are really important that I wanna connect to my audience and this is what I wanna give. And then in the middle of it, you're thinking, oh my God, 100 people are staring at me. And I wonder if my stockings are, you know, something in my boobs coming out of my you know, whatever, whether it's physical or it's like they're hating me, they're not getting it. You take your breath. So it's all about breathing and then, you know, a practice. So with my clients, I train them, you know, okay, stop, breathe, ground, think about your feet, you know, in the, you know, going deep, deep, deep into the earth. You know, recenter yourself. It just takes a second, but it is a practice, and then come back to your purpose. What are you here to speak about? To give and get back on track. So mm. that is the practice, and I'm not going to pretend that it's easy, right? But that is the practice of doing that over and over and over again. Mm. Practice. So just yesterday, I was giving um, a webinar. And I could tell right away it wasn't landing because I had created it for consumers and I was talking to PR professionals. And I just said in the middle of the thing. So, I'm hold like, on,
0: hold on. so topically, you intellectually knew that. How do you, what are they doing such so that you receive? Okay, whatever I'm saying, it's not landing.
1: For them, you mean for the webinar that I just did? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it was a webinar, so I could only see a couple of people, you know, it was Zoom or whatever, so I could only see a couple of people. It wasn't, they weren't, it, it was a feeling. I, mm-hmm. I knew because I'm a, I am was a publicist before this, and I was speaking to publicists, and as I was going through my material, which we had talked about ahead of time, I just realized like this is not granular enough
2: mm-hmm.
1: for, for them. Mm-hmm. So I did two things. I said, I'm going to skip ahead a number of these slides. Like I had to skip through a whole bunch of slides because I'm like, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. And I said, um, and then I said, I have another document. I don't have it up. I'll need to, when you're asking questions, I'm going to pull it up that I think would be more appropriate for you, Mm -hmm. that is more granular. And then, but I did the best I could because I kind of had to follow my slides because it was a Mm -hmm. presentation, you know, but it wasn't fun and I was terribly uncomfortable. And I started thinking, oh my God, I'm so not delivering on my promise. Mm-hmm. And I, I had that moment of like that sinking feeling and going like, and I'm embarrassing myself in front of my PR professionals. You know, and then I had to, and then there was somebody in the audience that I knew that was my peer. And I'm like, and now I'm shaming myself in front of her. Mm-hmm. And then I thought back to center. What am I here to do? I got to give these people value. And, and pro- give what I promise, so I have to figure that out, how to do that on the spot. And ha- I said, let's jump to Q and I'm like, here's what I have. I go, let me answer your questions because you know, uh, you know. And then we went to Q and A, and I got into my groove because it was like I could spontaneously, you know, answer those questions and really be very specific in terms of helping them. But like. Half an hour, not good. Yeah. So what I do in review is, you know, and then I wrote them a note, you know, the people who invited me saying, like, oh God, you know, acknowledging it, like this is what happened. I'm really sorry. And I hope I redeemed on the second half. And they said, Yeah, you did. I got the email back this morning. I was like, Phew.
0: Well, I think thank you for using yourself as a example of what's it like to be in the dojo, right? yeah in 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 real time how you actually you, you lost control for a moment but you're able to regain control regain composure regain sovereignty and then really serve your highest good and deliver in a although a different format a different mechanism to serve the people that were on the webinar
1: yeah
0: yeah i think what you share for anyone listening who's even thinking about any kind of media exposure um this is this is life right cuz that, that, that i would assert what you just shared is is one of the nightmare scenarios that they never want to step into
1: i agree i i didn't think i was stepping into it it was horrifying absolutely yeah. yeah and and by the way it would have been way easier had i not had my slides too because i was sort of married to the slides mm. and so to me, I mean, it's very easy for me to be spontaneous. I actually prefer that to a structured talk. Yeah. But most people don't, most people prefer the structured talk, but either way, it doesn't matter. Right. So it would have been easier for me had I not had to sort of manage those slides too. I could have just managed myself and the information on the spot but it's also about asking what you want, uh, what you want. And I do want to share one other thing that happened to me. It was with Marsha Weeder, Weider, who is the mm-hmm. dream coach. Yeah. So I was, um, I went to one of her seminars. She had invited me as her guest and I had wanted to meet one of my clients who was attending that seminar. So I, I, I wanted to meet Mar. I had, had I met Marsha before? No, I hadn't met her before. We'd just been on the phone. And then when we were there, Marsha said to me, hey, do you want to come up and talk for 15 minutes? And I said, sure. Shit. <laughs> you know, that's what
0: what I an opportunity.
1: Sure. Oh, shit. Because, you know, there's hundreds of people. I don't have anything prepared. And I go running into the bathroom because I'm freaking out, you know, because I have so much to say. I don't even know where to begin. And my my friend, my client, who I already adored, came in. She's like, are you all right? I go, yes, you need to leave me alone. <laughs> I need to just like, I need, I was just breathing. I was just like meditating on the toilet. That's what I'm doing. I'm meditating on the toilet going like, I need to focus. I need to And then I thought, you know what? Um, I don't really want to stand up there and just talk for 15 minutes. I love in conversation. And so I went out to Marsha and I said, can we do this in an interview format? Can you just, we're both sitting on these stools on the stage. Can you just, ask me anything we want. And, you know, I mean, you know, she's a great, PR person she knows what to ask I said just or I said you know you can ask me this this and this or anything you want and that's what we did mm. so it's also about when you have those freak out moments you don't have to do what the other person's asking you you can make a suggestion and say what about this to something that you're comfortable with because I'm completely comfortable with that format yeah absolutely. I mean trying to figure out out of everything i know how am i going to craft this into 15 minutes
0: yeah uh, it reminds me of how richard branson rarely gives a solo speech he's always being interviewed oh, by someone.
1: Him. i hate I, I i just it's not my thing i don't like it i'm bored with myself and to give it over and over again if i've given it three times i'm like oh brother you know i'm just it's just i'm i like to do things differently every single time and that's that's not conducive to like paid speakers who give like the same speech every time. And I'm, it's just not my thing. If it's your thing, that's great.
2: Yeah.
1: Client who's a a speaker. I don't know how many she gets paid for now. It was $20,000 a talk at that time. And, um, he gave that speech like 345 days a year. Wow. The same
0: one. Wow. $3,000 a pop. That's really interesting. Um, I guess we can go down that rabbit hole. It reminds me of a a stand-up comedian, how they just go on the road and just craft their talk. And once they have enough material, then they will monetize it by selling it to Netflix, by doing a Netflix special.
1: Which I love, I love those
0: Netflix. Yeah, I I do as well. I'm a huge fan of stand-up comedy, uh, just in general. But I wonder if there is a way to have similar model for speakers, but that's probably not for a conversation here. I'm curious. Uh, If you have any thoughts there at all.
1: I I think there's two types of speakers. I really think that there's um, the type of speaker that's my client that has it everything perfectly timed. Jerry Seinfeld does this too. I heard you reference him in one of your other podcasts.
0: Oh, nice. Thank you.
1: Well, crafts everything down to the second. So he has honed his craft in front of the audience and knows exactly when they're going to laugh and where to pause. So there's a science and a beauty in that. You know, to have something down so much where you can predict people's behavior—that's really interesting. And my client obviously had that too because he had certain things that he really—he was very physical, acting out on, on the stage. Um, then there was one of my other clients who was a Sufi master and a doctor, a medical doctor, and we were talking. It was in my uh, soundbite course, and he kept asking me over and over, you know, Susan. What am I going to say exactly in my talk? You know, that his and his university was in danger of becoming unfunded. And Mm. so he needed money now. So he, I said, you are a Sufi master Mm. and you know how to read energy and you know how to read people. So, yes, you craft your talk and then read the audience. So, this is the other way, you know, craft your talk and know when to divert from your talk based on what's going on with the audience and how you can read the audience. If you're not a reader of the audience, then that's not for you. Give your time, talk, and and see where people respond and be scientific about it. So for him, he spoke and he said, Susan, there was a moment where I just needed to shift everything I meant to talk about. And I started talking about something different. And at the end of my talk, a person came up and wrote a check for me, handed it to me for $100,000. dollars So, I could keep my university. And then a second person came up and wrote me a second check for another $100,000.
0: Wow. Yes. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that.
1: It's beautiful because both ways work. You know, there's not one right way for you. Experiment, and it may be a combo.
0: Yeah. Uh, So, on this podcast, we uh, use the yin yang sign to illustrate the point that we're making a lot. Mm-hmm. So let me share this with you uh, for, for the audience listening and use what you share as an example. The yang way is very directed, intentional, scientific. The Yin way is more of an inflow. And I think also what you share beautifully is he already is a master in his own domain. So he's not just trying to remember things that he learned you know, last weekend. So that also makes it a lot easier and similar to your talk as well, right? You already know the material, you just needed to reshuffle in a way to best serve the audience. Is that accurate Yes,
2: yes, yes.
1: I knew that material very well. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So I wanna shift gear a little bit. And I wanna also use this as a teaching moment for others. How did you refine on who is it that you wanna help? And how did you find that message that you wanted to devote your life towards or, and, or you can use yourself as an example. You can use your clients as an example. How did you help them find who their avatar, like who they want to serve and how did you find them, help them find that message that, you know, that it's theirs, you know, it's their soul message that they shared the world.
1: Yeah. So, um, how I did that for myself was that, um, When I was writing Sell Yourself Without Selling Your Soul, I had a very young intern who um, was starting, was helping edit the book. So he didn't know what he could could or couldn't do in my book. And so when I was writing Sell Yourself Without Selling Your Soul, my first editor, who was a woman, said, hey, you know what? You're not writing a lifestyle book. You're writing a book on um, PR. And I said, I beg to differ with you. I am writing a lifestyle book. I am writing about how you do PR is how you are and how you act in your life. It is a continuous stream. Thankfully, she (laughs) left, the woman who objected my book and I got to work with the kid who didn't know what he couldn't ask for. So I got to write the book that I wanted. And what I wanted, and people up on Amazon, one of my favorite interviews was a woman magazine editor said, this book has helped me raise my children. This is Mm. um, is the best parenting book I've ever read. Mm. And I'm like, hallelujah. You know, I said, um, mission accomplished. Um, Because I wrote Sell Yourself Without Selling Your Soul to, um, and this was many, many, this was right before 9-11. So it was, I think it was 2010, maybe earlier. I think it was actually earlier. Um, And I wrote it, the book, so it has no sales, sex, um, war, or sports jargon in it, or aggressive jargon, because how we speak is how we think is how we are, and that really wasn't that much of a concept at that point. And the social entrepreneurship um, thing didn't even exist. But um, Harper Collins asked me; they wanted to write my own catalog copy, and I wrote in there: Susan Harrow is leader is a leader in the in the conscious um, conscious business movement. There was no such thing, and they printed it. And I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't know they were going to like print my thing word for word. And then Publishers of Weekly repeated it, mm. you know, so how powerful words are, what I wanted to do. My niche was people who were conscious businesses when that was not a word. It was people who are out in the world doing amazing things, who actually have the ability to affect change but they affect that change by themselves by embodying it. My favorite saying from Gandhi is, um, you you are the message, you know, that you are the message. So that's why I say everything you do say are and think needs to be in complete alignment before you offer. Because it's working on yourself. I've heard your podcast, it's like when people say they want to change the world, I'm thinking, well, are they are they willing to change themselves? Because that's how you change the world.
0: But yeah. okay, so so that's what you have honed in on. How yeah. Well- I, my, my question was, how did you land there? Was it more of an intuitive thing? Was it more of an iterative practice? Was it more just, you know, I, I don't know why, but I'm meant to serve these people. How did you end up there?
1: Well, I think it's the way I was raised. My dad was an orphan and someone put him through Cornell. Mm. People were kind to him. And we always had we I grew up in Palo Alto and next to Stanford University. And every Thanksgiving we had international students come and spend Thanksgiving with us because they didn't have anywhere to go. Mm.
0: Um, I was one of those international students.
1: Where we would have had you over to our house. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. And just enjoyed, you know, family time with strangers.
2: Mm-hmm. We
1: had this huge table in the house. Steve Jobs bought the house next door to us. We had this table, which actually set, I mean, it was, you could seat 30 people
2: mm-hmm. and
1: we had 30 people at the table. So it was really fun. So I think it was just that my parents have always, um, we're all like that. My brother's a musician. My other brother is a, is a, has a business in Hawaii of, um, security alarms. And he, as a philanthropist, he goes to Nepal and the Philippines and rebuilds uh, devastation. My, you know, brother, I don't know. We were we were just raised. All I can say is we were raised that way, so it was like in my blood. It was never really. I don't think it was a. Uh, it was just, it was an evolution versus. Mm-hmm. A, I think that's the way. And then I wanted to address. So how do I? The other second part of the question was about my clients. You asked me how. How,
0: how you do help you them find? How their, do I find their their that yeah. Okay,
1: very organic because um, media training is a lot like uh, improvisational jazz or improv- improvising. So it's not um, everyone. So I listen to the way that someone speaks naturally. I take them through a process of questioning. I listen to the way that they speak naturally, and then I start to pluck out the jewels and point them out. But what I know, and now neuroscience points this up because when we're, when someone is a jazz musician, when they go into the riff or the improvisation, it's a different part of the brain. It's not the conscious part of the brain. And maybe then we can lead into the one command from here, like doing that process together. That's good. Might be a perfect point. So um, they're in a place of not thinking and it's a different part of the brain and it just goes, we all have that ability. And and I've noticed with everyone that I work with, when they're just relaxed and talking to me, their stories come out almost perfect. And so what we're just doing is like shaping the story. And yes, there are formats that that I show them that like these are successful formats that other people have used. If your format fits into that naturally, I'm gonna show you that process. Mm. Otherwise, I'm gonna reverse engineer it for you. So you know how you've told a story successfully naturally so you can do it again. So the process starts to become um, more conscious so you can repeat it because you do need to be able to repeat it because I want to work myself out of a job. If you know how to do this and, and here's what happens. You may be on a media appearance or a podcast and you get thrown a loop. You need to know how to create your own messages and sound bites on the spot. Mm-hmm. And if you have certain formats, you can sort of wrangle it in. You can wrangle it in. If you don't know anything and it's like wide open, that's much harder to pull things in if rather than having Formats rather than, you know, you know a song structure <clears throat> and therefore you can, and you might know five of them and you can pull that out on the spot. Yeah, you're smiling about that. So you know about that. So neuroscience proves <clears throat> now that when we're relaxed and we drop down, that's when things just flow. Right. And so essentially we want to get back to that flow state and that's relaxation. That's not being self-conscious, not thinking about yourself. So that's the practice is getting back to our naturalness. And one of my clients said to me, you know, I think it was in a class. She says, Susan, you're telling us to be ourselves, but we need to practice at it. And I said, yeah, actually you too. You do need to practice being yourself because there's so much coming at us that throws us off ourself, you know, and that is coming back to our quote unquote best self in the moment right not the not the snappy self or the <laughs> yeah the um it's the polished self
0: the constructed self. yeah for sure
1: yeah yeah and to
2: be
1: um to be able to be relaxed enough to be in that state so things flow perfectly which they will
2: yeah
1: yeah
0: yeah for sure um did you want to do the one command before i ask my follow-up
1: yeah so one of the things where okay so everybody has issues myself included ck we all have we all have our we're
0: own. all perfectly imperfect human beings. Yeah, we are yeah
1: so um Suzuki roshi says you're perfect as you are and there's always room for improvement.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So one of the things that happens with all of my clients is they have certain personality triggers stuck points patterns programs beliefs that are holding them back. Um no matter what the level is, right? Like millionaires sp- spiritually, you know, the the Su- Sufi master We all, I mean, he's a Sufi master, you know, he was, you know, at the UN, he's negotiating peace treaties. We all have our issues. It doesn't matter how high a level you are uh, uh, politically, spiritually, intellectually. Um, So I started getting trained in the one command because I like, love speed and I like to have things shift really quickly. And I wanted a way, just like that's why I did Aikido, so I could, get things more embodied in media training, I wanted to be able to move my clients faster, forward faster, and so they could get what they wanted with media. Um, So I started training with the Sarah Lovejoy in the One Command, both uh one-on-one and in a group to get certified. So the One Command has helped millionaires, billionaires, heads of state, and people, entrepreneurs like you and me, shift their patterns, programs, beliefs. Instantly on the spot, sometimes it takes longer because they're layers and layers, but this is a process that is sort of the missing link to self help, because it's not outside yourself, it's inside yourself, it's not manifestation, manifesting, which is outside, it's about you tapping into your greater self and the availability of what already is for you. So that's a quick explanation of it. And the results are that, you know, people go from 10 million to hundred million or from a thousand to 10,000 or talking about, you know, that, or like when I was working with Asara, I'm allergic to gluten and we, we cleared that, Like (laughs) no naturopath, nobody had there like, we can clear you of everything, but not gluten. Wow, working with that yeah and i i'm happy to share more examples of what i've done with my clients too because i'm starting to work with my clients on this it's it's Mm. new for me so i'm not an expert in it yet but i'm happy to share what i know so the great thing that you need to know is that this is this is a very simple process that can shift your beliefs patterns programs in the moment and then you watch what arises so you know what to work on next are there boots on the ground? Meaning, do you have to then do things physically, right? Like if you have a mindset, and you know, you've always had a poor relationship with your mother, is this just going to like shift that? Well, you know, that could take a few layers, right? Um, To be able to do that, but it's starting to be in that awareness. So I just wanted to be clear about that that people go you know a million dollars isn't going to be plopped on your doorstep if you volunteer. totally
0: it's it's so to illustrate what you're articulating here what susan is saying is it, it will shift immediately in subjective reality yes. but the objective reality is still going to take time you're going to still have that circumstances challenges whatever but over time giving this new shifted subjective reality you may look at this challenge or problems newly and new solutions will come arise is that an accurate reflection
1: and some things do happen instantly and some things happen a month three months a year later right so so there is no sort of space time it is it is now so I'll go through the steps and then I'll lead you through them so you just listen to the steps first so you know where we're going and then we'll go into them and you can and then you you just do it with me and CK you and I can actually um do this together and I'll share with you how as soon as I tell the steps so the first step is to ground so what we'll do is we'll um We'll put our feet on the floor. And if you're laying down, that's fine. It doesn't matter where you are. It's about rooting yourself in the earth. That's number one. Number two is to align in your heart. Um, Number three is to go into theta. And we do that by just rolling our eyes up, our eyes will be closed, but we roll them up to the, like where you're looking out your forehead or looking out the top of your head, that's mechanically gonna put you into theta, which is a different state than we are normally, which is beta. And that's going to open your mind to, if you're calling like subjective reality, that is going to be opening your mind to what's the closest to the dream state. So you get out of your conscious thinking and into the possibility of all that is and What this process does is it actually changes your neurology, your biology, and your DNA. So so that can all happen simultaneously. So just by doing this process, you're already in a different state of mind. We phrase a command, which is I think we're on number four or number five. We phrase a command to, and the word is, I don't know how. What that does is it automatically takes you out of your linear thinking, and it also takes away your objections about like how things can't happen. And so it puts us into an open frame of mind. And what one of my friends said that I think is so beautiful is he said it kind of connects you to the mystery of what is. Um, Because if you don't have something and you try to name it, which is manifestation, and I love Abraham Hicks, and I love all of that stuff. So if that's working for you, that's great. I'm just explaining the difference. So when you try to name something that you've never had before, never had the experience of it, how do you know how to get it? So saying, I don't know how, opens up the possibilities for a new thought, a new way, a new experience to come in, because it hasn't happened to you before, it hasn't happened in as big a way as you like and then then so I don't know how and then I then we say whatever that is that we don't know how to do and that it's what we want it's what we want to change remove or improve that's what we're going to name first and then we're going to shift that and then the last part is to say um so I don't know how I relax in front of um, media every time I do it, no matter what medium it is, am I'm talking to a person, I only know that I do now, and I'm grateful and fulfilled. So the last part is being grateful and fulfilled, having gratitude mm-hmm. for the process. So the way I thought we could do it together, CK, mm-hmm. is to choose something, if you would like to choose something that you specifically would like to change, remove, or improve, or, and we can combine it with maybe people who want to do media or more speaking or more zoom calls because that's up right now we can integrate that in but if you have a particular
0: yeah sure let's, let's so let me just clarify something i don't know how and then something that i wanted to shift not that yes, really goal part, our part
1: is, is the positive so let's imagine i want to shift my nervousness I, I When I say I don't know how, I don't know how I'm relaxed and, and grateful and feel comfortable on camera. Got so we're shifting to the positive. So we're shifting from the negative, Got it. Got the negative, it. the nervous, the positive. So we're only saying the positive when we say the command.
0: Sure, no problem.
1: I just want to say one more thing about the command. You only do a command once because it is so. It has shifted in the quantum field.
0: Got it. If you
1: might be deeper ways that we do that, like you can do it for, I did it specifically for our interview today. Mm. Can I relax and and, and in the flow with CK today? Because this is like a new experience.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think for me would be to be more playful.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. Great. All right. Great. So um, close your eyes. And so, oh, so what I want to say is let's go back and forth. So I'll say a command, you say command, I'll say a command, you say command. So I'll start and then you just jump in with whatever playful response you want to say. Or if it's not playful, that's okay too. It doesn't matter. It's just, and we'll go back and forth. So I say something, you say something, and then I'll just bring us to a natural conclusion. And
0: take okay. it I'm just taking all the instruction in, so I'll do my best.
1: Yeah, and I'll cue you.
0: Yes. If you're not like
1: saying so. anything, I'll go, CK, would you like to say something? And if you don't, if you go, no, I have nothing to say, that's fine. And I'll just keep going. So feel yeah. free. If you don't have anything to say or if nothing pops up in the moment, just let me know. And I'll do sure. Yeah. So be- thank you for being brave and doing this because CK's never done this with me before.
0: No, no, this is new. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is what Noble Warrior is all about. You know, like you got you got some new ways to hack consciousness. Let's do it.
1: Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And what people have said about this that I really love, and we'll see how all of you feel. um, Yeah, that it feels really easy and good, and there's no resistance to it. Because my sweetie, who has done everything and, you know, has been meditating forever, he said, this is the only process I've never had any resistance to, which I thought Mm. was interesting. Yeah. Mm. But you have your own experience. Whatever you have is fine.
0: Beautiful. Let's do it.
1: So close your eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, You can rest your feet on the floor if you're lying down, just lie down and relax and feel the bed or the couch or whatever, if you're in a chair, feel the back of it. You can um, rest your hands uh, either open or in a mudra, if you like, like this, or you can have your just palms open on your um, knees or on the sides of a chair, whatever's most comfortable for you. Take a deep breath in. Let it out. Deep breath in through your nose. You can let it out through your nose or your mouth. Feel your feet on the floor or wherever you are. And imagine that your feet are roots going deep, deep, deep into the earth. You can also imagine that they're jewels, that they're rubies or diamonds or gems or crystals that go deep, deep, deep into the earth. So they're going deep, 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 all the way to the center of the earth. And we're connecting with our ancestors, with all of the experience that they've had before us that can help us. You're connecting with the magna, with earth, with all of the creatures that are in that ground. And at the same time, imagine a beautiful beam of light coming down through the top of your head, the crown of your head, all the way through your body, all the way through your solar plexus, all the way deep, deep, deep into the earth. So you're connected with both the heavens and the earth and all that is possible. Then begin to draw that energy, that deep supportive earth energy up through your feet, through your calves, through your knees, through your thighs, up to your solar plexus, up to your heart. And when you reach your heart, we're just gonna align with your intention. For CK, it's to be more playful. For you, if it's to be more relaxed on video, on Zoom, to connect with people deeply, to have a wonderful experience, to begin to have more love in your heart, to see the good in people, to feel comfortable within your own skin, to have the experience of having a good and relaxed and flow experience, whatever that is for you. Align that in your heart and then take a deep breath in and pull that energy from your heart all the way up through the your forehead and hold it. So hold right at the forehead, your breath. Hold, 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 and then let it out. Light before you, light behind you, light above you light below you, light to the right of you, light to the left of you, light inside of you, light, light, light. You are a body of light. You are filled with light. Then gently roll your eyes up into your head as if you're looking into your forehead. This is what's going to take us into theta. And then put your conscious mind up through your head. Take a trip up through your forehead, up through your head, up through the ceiling, up, up, up past the stars, up, 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 past the galaxies, up, 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 past the Milky Way, up, 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 past Saturn and Jupiter and all the planets, up, 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 past all the galaxies and the universes and anything and you're going to come to a velvety black mist and then you're going to pop up through that mist into the white luminosity of all that is. And this is where the pure potential is. You can do anything and be anything and feel anything and your greatest self, you have access to that and you have access to the powerful consciousness of all the beings and people and anything that came before us. I don't know how I feel more playful and alive and exhilarated. I only know that I do now and I am grateful and fulfilled. And then CK, you can add in something that you would like as well
0: with the same comment I don't know how
1: I don't know how and then it just a variation of being playful or anything that pops into your mind
0: yeah to be totally relaxed doing our podcast so uh, my guests can co-create beautiful content to inspire all of my listeners
2: great
1: I don't know how I inspire people with just who I am, with my words, with my playfulness, with my beingness. I only know that I connect to people deeply and they connect back to me and that brings me joy and it brings me more of everything I want. I only know that it is so now and I'm grateful and fulfilled. If you want to add in another, you can. And you can say, I don't know how, and then say a command that you wish.
0: I don't know how to be totally present and just enjoy the moments with all of my guests to inspire everyone who is hungry for what we're co-creating, what we have collected over the years.
1: Hmm. I don't know how I attract and the people that need to hear my message, CK's message, come and find him and find me and find what they need. I only know that those people find us and find that wonderful exploration and feel enlivened by it and feel just as present and as relaxed as CK. I only know that I do now and I'm grateful and fulfilled. I don't know how. I open my mind to new experiences, to the things that I want, the things that I I don't yet have that I may not even know that are going to make me feel better and enrich my life. I only know that I do now and I'm grateful and fulfilled. I don't know how I am so comfortable doing media and getting my message out into the world that people really need to hear to help more people, to connect with people, to give them what I came on this earth to give. I only know that I do now and I'm grateful and fulfilled. I don't know how I am more playful and more relaxed and just really allow any experience to come in and follow that where it might lead me, that I get the right experiences for the things that I need for the next steps and wherever I wanna go. I only know that I do now and I'm grateful and fulfilled. I don't know how I can be exactly who I am, that I can be relaxed in who I am and that people resonate and respond to that. I only know that I am now and I'm grateful and fulfilled. I don't know how I can do Zoom and video and podcast and media and Facebook Live and Instagram and be myself and get my message out there and have the kind of clients and customers and sales that I want. I only know that I I do now and I'm grateful and fulfilled. I don't know how I can bring in the exact amount of money and maybe actually three times more money that I need Um, to help my family and help others and be able to give enough away to feel comfortable. I only know that I do now and I'm grateful and fulfilled. I don't know how I can find exactly what I need to do on this earth at this time to be of maximum good in the world. I only know that I do now and I'm grateful and fulfilled. And then take a breath and even expand more deeply into whatever that is, just you feel the expansion of all the molecules of your body. And then we're going to unwind, 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 any doubts, any fears, anything that's holding us back, unwind, 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 any kind of experiences that have happened before us, unwind, 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 and then rewind, rewind, rewind rewind with this new experience, this relaxation, this sense of fun, this excitement in the future that anything is possible. Rewind, rewind, rewind. And this is where your DNA is actually changing. So if there's images and thoughts and feelings that are coming in, just notice them now, make note of them later. This is part of your guidance. Just let all of that come in and then take another breath. And when you're ready, open your eyes and
0: come back to the room. Amazing.
1: What did you notice? Yeah, what did you notice for you?
0: Uh, that Fee Up Light. Number one, just um, it's it's there. It's beautiful to always be in that space. And also, I, I noticed how soothing your voice is.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's one of those voices that you can just he- listen to for hours and on, you know. So it's thank in, you, thank you resonance, you know. So I, I, in case you don't have a podcast yet, in case you don't have any kind of sound healing offering yet, I highly <laughs> recommend it.
1: <laughs> I hope this is a sound healing for all of you. I had That's true. It was like,
0: yeah I it's very that. very relaxing it's very relaxing okay. my 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 nervous system really liked it I like a, you yeah. know brings me to a space. What did you notice?
1: Yeah, so I noticed at first I had a little bit of self-consciousness because i have never done this before and I really needed to focus and drop in so I could relax enough to, just sort of feel what, because what, I because it's all spontaneous, like some, I did this with a friend, and he's like, well, how did you know? How did you say all those things? Have you done this um, times? And no, it was something completely different for him. And I said, no, I was just trying to sense what it was that you needed. And so that's, I can't do that in my conscious mind. So I don't know if you heard you know things that you needed to hear, or that you what it was. It was just the sound that it was. But that's my intention that people that I'm guided to just say what what it is that. But you can't. It's hard to do if you're nervous about it.
0: Yeah, it was just
1: one breath. Yeah,
0: it was very beautiful. I really, really appreciate
1: Thank it. You. Thank yeah. you. I'm happy to have that experience with you
0: so i want to segue to some um, so something tactical yeah
1: let me just say this really quick so this is something that you can do every day um five minutes or one minute or whatever i did it on a whole bunch you can do it on one so you can go through this process and you can actually do it really fast i mean we did it slowly but you can do it you can actually probably do a one minute version for yourself. So I just want to say this is something that you could do on any topic and you can choose one topic. I just went on a roll for a whole bunch of them. It's called stacking. Um mm-hmm. so if there's one specific thing that you want to, like I did it on our podcast, but I also did it on a whole bunch of other things too that I'm wanting that I'm wanting mm-hmm. today. Um and one of those is to be to get more work more work done. I have a lot of things. I'm doing rebranding. I have so much on my plate. I'm in a coaching um, course with Samantha Hartley, who, you know, I mean, it's just like, ah, you know, it's just so many things that I have on my plate. And what I was asking for too, is to whatever work or whatever I'm doing, can I be in that state where I can have maximum uh, effectiveness, efficientness and beauty? In that state. So that was one thing that I commanded for too for all of my day to day but I also do it for specific things that I need to accomplish. So I can um, condense time when I want to and expand time. So if you're asking for something tactile and I know you haven't asked for this, but I have a practice that condenses time and expands time. Because there's times when we want time to expand when we're with our friends, when we're with our lovers, whatever, when we're having a great time, we don't want it to end. So how can we stretch that?
0: Mm. Since you open that loop. Yeah. Can you go into that? How do you expand time? How do you multiply time? Yeah. Stretch time.
1: Yeah. So part of that is getting spaciousness in your body and in your mind. Like, how do you hear those messages that you need to hear? I was listening to, I was watching a class with RuPaul and he said if you do not right he's fabulous
0: yeah and he's and like, he, by the way just a quick quick injection he was an accidental teacher i never thought i would like i never ever hey. thought i would like rupaul but when i watch his master class like this right. guy is the real deal yeah. i I really like him
1: totally mm-hmm. now he was right there throughout his class was he not like talk about presence mm-hmm. he, here you know right there and i'm a that is an embodiment and that's what we're going for an embodiment of your values mm-hmm. embodiment of who you are not who you say you are don't tell me who you are that like,
0: yeah it w- there wasn't any kind of posturing it was just no you know, he actually did whatever work he needed to do to let go of all that. He was just there and giving his truth. And if you like it, fantastic. You know, try it yeah. on. If you don't like it, fantastic. You know, hey, good luck to yeah. you. So that's his
1: thing that I really noticed about him is like, oh my gosh, how many things he's done to get to where he is. Mm-hmm. I was like, when people say, you know, I want to be a media star, I want to be on TV, or you, you, you are not on TV. It is, it is the, um, 10,000 iterative times and it's not just doing something 10,000 times, it's doing it and an iteration every single time that you do it. So it's the 10,000 hours. And then it's also um, the progression of practice all the time, like how many times he was on the stage, how many times, you know, how afraid he was on the stage and nervous and not knowing whether he was in the right direction or whatever. So back to um, the to- the time and what RuPaul said is um moments of stillness. So one practice that you can do that anybody can do is do one minute an hour of breathing and centering and stilling because sometimes people have a really hard time. I'm very active. I don't know if you are too. I don't have a really easy time sitting. I do a lot of my meditative work and my prayers and my thinking and my um, expressing while I walk. I have mm-hmm. a notebook and I have my iPhone. so sometimes I record into my iPhone or record into notes, sometimes I write it down whatever medium, seems to work for me but um I do meditations prayers while I'm moving a lot of times but I also sit in stillness every day I do the one command and then I sit in meditation which is not easy for me Mm. because when you're what I love about the one command is I keep a notebook right by my because Mm. I tons of ideas and I I sometimes pretend that that counts as my meditation (laughs) it doesn't (laughs) it doesn't Uh, meditation is different. So you can do, you can, I have the one command, and then I go into meditation for the stillness. And then if my mind is really busy, I write those things down. So then I can continue to clear, but that stillness is where the answers come, whether it's in the shower, whether it's running, it doesn't matter what the practice is for you. It doesn't have to necessarily be meditation or stillness, but something that stills your mind. So with all that, where the noise is is where you're not listening to the outside world you're just listening to your own inside world
0: yeah i, yeah. I so appreciate that mental model susan um this i'll share one what i do and then i'll segue to the question i wanted to ask you okay so on this podcast we we'll talk a lot about how do you actually tap in penetrate the constructive self the stories the uh, illusions all that stuff to so tap into that. Uh, wholeness, the capital self, the um, the source, the higher self, whatever you call it, like that place of stillness. And that is the source of new ideas, messages, downloads, intuition, whatever you call it. Um, that's what we talk about on the podcast a lot. So any of these practices, yeah. you know, uh, One Command or Ayahuasca journeys or yeah. meditation or yoga or boxing or sp- Spartan race or cold bath, or breathwork, any of these are just different paths as a way to strip away these layers of constructive yeah. belief and then really get us closer to that um capital S self. So that's that's what we talk about, capital capital S self. Well,
1: oh, capital S, I thought you said capitalist. I, go, I didn't know we were going for the capitalist self.
0: Capital, <laughs> S self.
1: capital S self.
0: One thing I need to be better at is the enunciation as an immigrant. <laughs> oh, there you go, thank you for that, I appreciate it, yeah.
1: Um, I have a, I have a lot of practices, so I do the one command, I do meditation, I have a walking practice, I haven't been doing Aikido, I got injured in Aikido, so I actually haven't done it in a couple of years, however, I'm always practicing Aikido, um, and And I am doing some sword work on my deck with the Boken and Joe, which are the the sword and the staff.
0: So, um, oh oh, hold on. before you move on, is there a good teacher that you recommend if that's something I want to be I want to practice? Because I am looking for an embodiment practice, oh, yeah, especially when it comes to bow or sword or things like that. i'm a, I'm a guy, What can I say?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, what did um, <laughs> a photographer who was taking pictures said, you know, when we, when we work with the Joe or we don't actually hit the person on the head, we can, we stop like an inch ahead. And this photographer said, oh my God, I so wanted to like be able to hit somebody on the head. You know, so that a, a kind of regression thing. So my teacher is um, Hans Goto sensei. So he's here in San Rafael. He's an amazing teacher. He's a seventh Don and he's head of our lineage. So practices, so I have a writing practice. I'm a writer. I've been in a writing group for uh, many years with my friend, my dear friend, Lori Wagner, who has something called wild writing. By the way, she's offering a free seven seven days um, as well. And um, this might be a good time to mention if you want any of my free things, they're on PRsecrets.com. P like Paul, R like Richard, like public relations, secrets.com. So if you're wanting to further yourself with media, I have the hundred word email that can get the media to call you. And there's lots of other free videos and masterclasses and anything that you want. So her class and the reason why it's all the same practice, just in a different form. So this practice that she does, the what's called while writing is that um, no censorship, just like I train a media media train. There's no sense words. There's no editing when we're talking that comes later separate process. We're just talking through. So in the writing, there's um, no taking your hand off the page. So we don't do it on the computer. We do it with a a pen. Um, You don't censor yourself ever. So you're just writing from we, Lori reads a poem, she excerpts a couple of lines to jump off from to just get us going or makes a suggestion, talks about it a little bit. And then we write. And so you can, if you get stuck, you can say, I don't know what I want to say, just write that. And then you, and so it's like five to 15 minutes we do. And you can also write, um, what I really want to say is, or what I've never told you before is, or what I've held back. Whatever that is, you just keep writing. I'm, you can say like, sometimes I get stuck and I might say, oh my God, this is such crap. I can't believe what's coming out of me today. Here was the, you know, Lori said, it's okay to write crap. Well, I'm doing it, you know, just keep going. And then what happens is most of the time, not always, right? But you start to drop down and you start to drop your own bullshit. Mm. And you start to get to that core. That is the same thing like you do improvisation with that flow fam. Mm -hmm. It's just, that's a medium to do it. These are just different mediums that work on, I think different parts of the brain. So this is the writing brain. So I'm used to already doing improvisation in so many ways. So that's an improv practice
2: Mm.
1: because there's no censoring. You're just getting down on the page, whatever it is. Then we read no criticism, no commenting. It's just, it just, it is what it is. Um, So that's a practice. My other practice is um, before I start work, I have a prayer that I say that is um, that is um, open my path before me and let me be of maximum good in the world. So Mm. that's what I say every single day.
2: Mm. And
1: and when I'm with when I do a call like this or when I'm with a client, I always ask that I can be guided for that person's highest good. So. That is, you know, whatever they need, let it come through me. Um, my other practice is um, so that. Oh, I, I I was listening to what I don't know has to say his name, Andrej. The the Andre. Uh, this is cyber security guy. Um, I have a practice that before I go to bed, I say something else. So I made this up. Um. Every uh, Thank you for everything I am and have for all I'm grateful. Thank you for everything I am not and have not for all I'm grateful. So both
2: mm.
1: both of those opposites. Um, and then I may do, sometimes I do this walking and sometimes I do this praying when I was, I was raised a Catholic. So the first type of praying that I would do is say prayers really, really fast and dole them out to people. Okay. So, so that's what I learned first. Um, you know Buddhists have a practice where you donate your practice to somebody, but donate's not the right word. You 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 give your practice to people. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm giving this practice, I'm offering it to to mm. to help others. Mm. Um, so I do that and then what I what I do, what I alternate is sometimes I send out good energy to all the people that I love um, and then include my neighbors. So I just do that. It's more of an energetic practice. So that's a, that's my new prayer. So I don't like dole out prayers, like Hail Mary, full of grace. <laughs> that was the, but that's what I learned first. Like you say all these prayers and then you give them away and that's how you do that. So this is just a, a different way of doing it energetically. So I do that. Um, and then I, I know that Andre said, and I want to ask him about this, cause I'm so curious that he doesn't, say things that he's grateful for outside of himself he only Mm -hmm. says about himself i'm thinking i would run out of things to say that i'm grateful for in myself in like one night you know i'm saying like how do you think about what you're grateful for for yourself
0: well it's just it's well i mean similar to your writing practice right you just you just keep going you go yeah there's elephant you know elephant all the way down turtle all the way down
1: like you can't say the same thing every single day. Like in my book, you can't go, okay, you know, I, I, what I, this is what I love about myself. So I mean, do, can you, like, I was thinking, shouldn't it be, is it different? Is it the same thing every day? Cause when we practice a gratitude practice, you try to get more specific about what, what happened and start to see the smaller and smaller things. Right. Mm-hmm. So yes, you can do that with yourself. I think it's a lot harder
0: for me. Know.
2: <laughs>
0: that's that's a life's path for sure. Uh, just like how how do you describe this mouse? You know, you can describe it infinite number of ways, right? All different yeah. kind of aspects. Yeah. So yeah. you go granular more and more granular.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I can I
0: can people. acknowledge you for, for hours and on for sure. It's not a challenge.
2: Oh, that's so that's very that's so kind
1: of you. So I'm trying to think if there's any other practices. Tell me a little bit about yours, and then that might spur me because I probably have other ones.
0: Um, in terms of daily practice, well, one of the newest ones that I have is tracking my sleep. That's a big one.
1: Oh, God. Okay. But on the, your, uh, is that a ring?
0: Yeah, this is an aura ring. and That's what I'm showing you. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. just showing you a, a ring for no reason. This is an aura ring that uh, tracks your heart rate var- variability, r- your resting heart rate, gives you a score, gives you a readiness score. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a biohacker. This is something that I mm-hmm. enjoy. as All a right. Huh?
1: That's neat.
0: Yeah, super neat. Because rather than quali- qualitatively knowing like, oh, how well is my sleep? And that actually gives me something that's quantifiable. So mm. that's part of my joy in life is to do self-experiments all day long. So that's mm. something that I enjoy doing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now the practices. Um, I record a lot of my calls. So this is actually unusual. So I just shared more of the unusual ones. And that way I can listen from a different perspective. So cuz sometimes especially deep conversations like this I may not be able to catch it all. You know the wisdom just zooming by and sometimes I'm thinking about something else. So for me listening to the calls actually are really really helpful for me to like oh Susan actually dropped so many gems I didn't catch it. But mm-hmm. now I can
2: catch it again,
0: right? So that's a way to kind of review the day with a little bit more granularity. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, what else do I do? Um, I started doing breath work thanks to um, Oura Ring um, to really help me basically start my day by hyper-oxygenating my body. And then I also have my meditation practice. I share with you on our call, you know, a enlightenment technique that I learned to drop into that um, consciousness of that the pure consciousness space really yeah. quickly. That's something mm-hmm. that I do. Mm-hmm. Also publicly on this podcast, I share, you know, sort of uh, the plant medicine path is also something that I really adopted because for me, I want to get into that hyper-reality space so then I can actually really look at what are my truth and what are my illusions such that I can always step into that place of being the the highest version of myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm very systematic about how I go about doing that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But there's many, many different paths that I've experimented and tried and different things. So, yeah. So, so right now, my 2021 goal is embodiment practice. Yeah, I'm very developed here. Yeah. I'm, I'm somewhat developed in my, in my empathy. I'm better at it than 10 years ago. Uh-huh. And then I want to bring it. <laughs> body so it can actually be playful yeah bring play to everything that i do is my 2021 intention
1: um yeah i saw something on a video that i so want to try so much but i mean when when covid lifts it was um zumba but on these things that were about this high these bouncing shoes mm. so there was this much like so you would be on the shoes and you were bouncing while doing Zumba. And I thought that looked so fun.
0: That's interesting. And
1: the reason why I love Aikido too, love hate, because you know, I'm because I'm awkward, but what I love about it. And sometimes I'd be so crabby and I wouldn't want to go, right? But I would go yeah. and I always felt super joyful after. It was the it was like the biggest joy machine. You asked why I continued it. That's why.
2: Mm, mm. Because
1: the biggest joy machine it's also so fascinating because i'm five two Mm. and i throw somebody who's 200 pounds six two how can that happen it's it's through because you're an engineer it's through technique it's through angles Mm. it's through motion rhythm but it's about getting the right i think it might appeal to you because it's about let me see if you can see it it's about like getting the right angle of the other person's body where they're light, mm. you them or you can pin them. So again, it's not about uh, physicality or strength. It's about all of the convergence of those things to make a person light so you can throw them um, no matter what size or shape they are. And that to me is really fascinating
0: yeah, I love it. Well we're definitely in kindred spirit. It's I do different. want to ask you some tactical questions. I'm respectful of of your time as well, so I wanted to um,
2: it's perfect
0: you're right. get get to some key points before we complete our conversation. Um, so thinking back the younger version of C k very intellectually is developed, um, you know, has the mind, the the heart set in the right place and wanna he he, they, wanted to make a big difference in the world but um he doesn't necessarily know what the message he wants to share with the world yet what would you recommend him to take on tactically as a way to honing on the message that he can devote himself to step into more prominence
1: so the younger ck doesn't know his message i would say that that you know it's about a process of experimentation, where you are seeking what makes you alive. Because I don't think people think, oh, you know, you craft these messages, or they just come out of space. No, they come out of your experience. They come out of your desire. So I can't tell you what your messages are. I don't craft people's messages. They do. I help them along that, but they have to have something to say and think, and, and a place they want to go. Otherwise, you know, I'm not the right person to, to do that. So it's like, what is it that's juicing you? Where is it that your um curiosity, you use that word a lot, it's where is your curiosity taking you in this moment? You know, that's where we want to look first. Like, what is that? And and it's an evolving process. It's not just like a one-time thing. I mean, I've had, we didn't go into my background, but I've had, you know, um, each time it's like it's not one thing it's like I have a corporate background I worked for 10 years as a consultant I have a teaching credential as high school English my major was Shakespeare how does that what you know like what does that have to do with anything right I was a high-tech startup salesperson um, you know with a company that got acquired by I think it was MCI or Sprint you know, so I've got the sales background, I've got the teaching background, I've got the corporate background. How did I even get into PR? Well, that was through like a writing class at um, UC Berkeley. And one of this gal worked for the North Face. And I was trying to move out of sales and more just into writing. And I was like, hey, can I, can I um, shadow you? And I started doing PR for the North Face and for Title IX Sports, which was now, you know, with three people then or two people, Missy Park in a a warehouse and is now the second, I think the second largest women's athletic wear. So it's all like an evolution. So to say, what is my message? I think we have to start way back to like who you are, what do you stand for? What are your values? What do you want to accomplish and why? And I think it's that kind of progression. That's why I ask those questions to people who come to me, like the, what's your big vision? So you you don't have to have a big vision. It can be a small, it can be for your hometown. It doesn't matter. It's just, what do you, what do you want? Why are you doing what you're doing? And, and who is it gonna affect? And then that second part is what do you want for yourself? It's what do you want to receive? It's like, here's how I want to give. Here's what I want to come back. Mm. myself in these areas that's why we talk about do you want to be a speaker do you want to be a writer do you want you know where is it and that those that's your it can be your current self your future self somewhere along that continuum Mm. you possibly start with the messaging until you have in mind the the goal or what it is that you're hoping for so mm-hmm. I'm not the person for that to find out your goal. That's you know, some kind of coach or something. You you have to have the goal when you come to me or have mm-hmm. an idea. Like you work with people who've who've been very successful in business but are developing themselves spiritually.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I want to work with those people who know or have an inkling of how they want to make an impact in the world. Like you're developing them spiritually. Well, the I, I consider this a spiritual practice as well, mm-hmm. right? And then if, if you want to make an impact in the world and you let's see how you can do that. And maybe the, the, what I want for myself, maybe more consciousness to be able to give my money away better. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter what that, what it is. If you've, if you've got $30 million, you're going to have to think about how you want to give some of it away or, or spend it consciously. Right? Like, I mean, at least that would be a question that I would want to ask. It's like not another house or another jet, like how many do you need? Right. Right. I mean, that would be like, how many, are you happy with how many, you know what I mean? So we would, but it's about what is it. And if you want to explore that, um, that's great too. But it's usually people come to me with a certain amount of clarity about what they want to do Mm. in the, in the world. Yeah. And and if it doesn't interest me, I don't work with them or my values.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. I, I so appreciate the way you answer it. The big key word that I heard is curiosity and joy, and yeah. aliveness, right? Yeah. Follow, follow that rabbit hole, and then, and then you'll, f- you know, find ultimately what is it that you're up to, and 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 you will help them craft the, the message, the path to deliver that towards yeah. what they want. Yeah, because
1: yeah. people really, I mean, um, you know, people we used to think that we get you in seven seconds, but it's actually in, I think it's actually in a blink of an eye. We already get you. We already get your presence. We already get who you are. And then the mm. rest is sort of backing it up. Yeah. So it is how you've developed yourself. That's what shows up first. And certainly on camera, that's what shows up first. Because yeah. all kinds of distracting things, that's what we're looking at. And we're not focusing on you, your message, who you are.
0: Yeah, the, the camera is a magnifier. Yes. She shows everything. Yes. So um, so actually on that note, I'm curious to know also as well, because again. Thinking back, people like me, founders like me, entrepreneurs like me, were very much focused on the product, you know, and then they're uh, reluctant to go to the limelight. It's not, because it's not fame that we want. So it's like the last resort. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I got it. A lot
1: of people, you'd be surprised. Like even with these great things, it is their last resort and they don't want it. I get it.
0: So, So how do you, help them think about publicity and being on shows and having exposure because there's a little bit of a inner tension, right? I don't want to the limelight because it's not about me, but I have to do it because it's part of my responsibility and obligation as the CEO, the founder. So I'll do it, but I don't want to do it. So how do you essentially help them think about this mm. rather than like Oh, my God, it's a chore. I really don't want to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: I think the first part is we're not thinking about it. Okay. Um, so we do want to get out of our minds and into our bodies. Okay. How does it feel? Because that's really what we're going for. How does it feel and how do I want to make other people feel? Whatever your product is, whether it's technology-based or whatever, it's about the experience the person is going to have. And when we can connect that experience with us and really take that out of ourselves again, yet like yes, yes, most of us, unless you're a super extrovert, we are going to be having these things, uh, you know, these issues about being on camera and showing up, and then all of our personal mishigas and crap is going to come up. That's just the way it is, and it's not that part. I think the relief of that is the fun part, but the process is sometimes difficult. But if you were thinking about Not adding on but taking away. It's really the zenification. You know, my my I'm naming my new course the Zen of Fame. I've had that trademark trademarked, right? The Zen of Fame. It is about the simplicity and the peeling away to get to the essential. And that's for you, and that's for what you're conveying to your audience and what you want them to have. If we can start thinking of terms of really what we want, then the self, I think, starts to recede something, especially when we start to see the fruits of our labor, how we connect with people, how our product or service is going out in the world and having an affecting change. Mm. That not that it needs to be not. I don't mean that it's outward based like that, that that that's that we have to have the um uh you know, that we have to get that kind of gratification but i think there has to be some kind of inner gratification for what we're doing that we want and and why we want it and i think we need to identify that Mm. like why why do i want this and why is it important to me and then here's how we this is one way to get it and it's the fastest way media is the fastest way it always has been interesting to get it and get exposed to
2: Thousands, let of
0: me years. let me do a quick recap and maybe uh, throw in a metaphor and see if you agree with that. So if, what I'm hearing you say essentially is really do that distillation. Um, mm-hmm. wh- who do you stand for? What is it that you want, and who do you want to serve? Have that crystallization, and then use media exposure as a way to serve that purpose, that atomic unit of really who you are. So it's no longer it's a chore because. Yeah. the chores about you the self yeah. rather this is an opportunity for you to really amplify so media is an amplifier of of, of the impact that you could make is that a rough That's uh, a metaphor
1: what did you say what was it, the atomic unit what was that
0: phrase? The atomic unit yeah the, yeah the, those are my what i say a lot in this podcast like condensing down to the atomic unit of i like that who you are your purpose your value what you stand for your goals and then use media as a way to amplify that That's
1: a beautiful way let's let's take it down to your atomic unit and then expand it out into media your town your community the world the universe i mean yeah look at it like that yeah but it isn't about the self that's the small self the fraidy self that's the small self you know um, and there's, and, and I think we're, we're, we're really speaking to your big, bigger self and which is, you know, um, accomplishing, you know, we have this short time on earth, right? And what is it that you want to do with the skills and talents and abilities and personality that you were given? I think that's the question and all those other things that are blocking us and getting our way. Those are the challenges that we need to meet if we choose. Yeah. To, go and give what we said we wanted to give
0: now i know that in one of your book taglines you say the art of self-promotion without bragging bagging or whoring is that so what we are talking about is that's what that bullet means correct focus on the capital s self capital s self rather (laughs) than the the small s self is that accurate And,
1: and yes, and usually when when I talk about that, it's like, you're not talking about yourself, you're talking about what you're accomplishing through other people, your mission through, it's through people or through your events or through whatever it is that you're doing. It's not about you, like I did this, or I did that. It's like, here's, here's what's happening. You know, I've fed 2 million people or, you know, 2 million people have been fed because this and that, or I've, I've. You know abolish sexual slavery i've created a a place where we can um you know not be so obsessed about the color of our skin or our sexual preferences or whatever that is right like those to me are the like important issues or um you know whatever's important to you that's the that's the key and affecting change in that area
0: Thank you for that. Do you mind a few more minutes? Do one more question, then we'll wrap. Is that cool with you? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, all right, yeah. Awesome. So this this may be big. So <laughs> just so, so you know, so now we have all kinds of uh, media platforms out there, from Facebook to a podcast to Clubhouse to you know, all kind to to general media, TV, radio, and all these things. So from your perspective. As a PR professional, PR media trainer, coach, how would you advise the founders and entrepreneurs, the visionaries, to leverage them rather than being like, "Oh my God, so many things! I can't be doing a podcast and then TikTok and you know Clubhouse and all day because I still got an actual thing I got to do." You know what I mean? So, how would you yeah. Advise, yeah. Them think about the media yeah. landscape?
1: Where are your people? where is your audience? Where are the people that you want to connect with and affect? And there may be different audiences. There may be the end product of your user and there may be the investors or there may be the um, partners that you want to connect with. But that's what I would go. That's where I would go first. Like, where are my people in those realms with what I want to accomplish? So you don't, and I'm not suggesting that you do all of those mediums. Um, choose the one that's easiest to do first, where your people are. So if writing is comfortable, start with writing and podcasts or writing in um, you know, blogging or getting, you know, being in, whatever, whatever is easiest to. So I think the convergence of that, I often work with my clients on where does joy and profit meet? Mm. Too. Like those two things. Sometimes, um, it, it it has to be something that you can do consistently too. So it's not about like necessarily, there's a difference between loving it and being afraid of it, right? And being accomplished at it. But if you look at it as how am I going to be skilled in this one area, devote yourself to one thing first and see if you can master it, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, I could talk to you for hours. Yeah. I want to take a moment just really acknowledge you. Um. I really feel palpably what you stand for. The things that you say on your website, helping people who are doing important things in the world in their own wild way. I wanna be part of a bigger picture to be remember having helped them with joy and in spirit to shape their words, thoughts and deeds.
2: Mm-hmm. And you
0: really show up powerfully, just the way you know you dance with me in this conversation. We went a lot of different places yeah. and uh, we talked about the tactical things. That the founders could do in terms of getting them media ready. We talked about the mindset, we talked about, um, you know, purpose. So really just thank you for the work that you do and the way that you do it with such grace and dignity.
1: Thank you. That's really beautiful and so poetic. And I want to thank you for being such a beautiful instigator of drawing these things out of people, which you do so skillfully and so masterfully on all of these different personalities, because I've heard a number of different personality types that you that you manage to draw out the fascinating things about them, because that's really that's really a skill and a, a very valuable one, I think, to draw out what's important to those people and important to your audience. And um, I think we had a playful time,
0: for sure, for yeah, sure. I think there was a
1: play sure. in there,
0: for you sure. Know? Yeah. Sure.
1: So I really appreciate that.
0: I look forward to do this again very soon, my friend. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you.